0: Hi, everyone. My name is Jasmine McGee, and I am the Communications Associate at the Heron Foundation. Welcome to our 2019 President's Podcast. In 2018, Dana Bezzera became the new president of Heron. However, Dana has been at Heron for 13 years in total, starting as a program officer in 2006. She's seen Heron grow and change, and is now sharing her guidance, leadership, and expertise as we focus on the intersection of communities and capital markets. In this podcast episode, we asked Dana to reflect on her first year as president and share what's next for Heron.
1: All right, hi Dana. Good morning, afternoon, something, <laughs>
0: some part of the day. All right, um, I'm going to start with the first question. So, Dana, you just finished your first year as president. Congratulations. Thank you.
1: Um, what did you learn? <laughs> <laughs> well, as as you know, I've been at Heron 13 years, and so I think for me. Um, coming into the position there was uh, a deep sense of honoring both of what I feel like are the two previous versions of Heron that I lived in. Um, Heron 1.0 I would broadly describe as being a version of Heron that was deeply community and practitioner based and really focused on honoring the wisdom of our community partners and Heron 2.0 that I would describe as really focusing on our our um asset owner um chops and focused on using our um our wherewithal in capital markets to try and create some change. And so coming into this year, we were really oriented around trying to work at the intersection of those two things to bring back the depth of understanding of our communities along with the strength of our work in capital markets. And I think I learned it's really hard <laughs> to operate at the intersection of communities and capital markets. And even with a clear vision,
0: the execution um, is a long and winding path. So, with that in mind, um, what are you what are you anticipating for next year? So I think we have a little more clarity on what we would like to try,
1: um, as guided by those that we've been in partnership with, um, who both identify strengths that we either did acknowledge we have or, or weren't so clear about, and really trying to work uh, in the white space that is the gap between what communities need to be prosperous and how capital markets currently show up. And it's, um, I think it's an ambitious goal for us to try and pursue, but I think it's one we're committed to trying not only this coming year, but in subsequent years, and, and very committed to being a learning organization as we go. So course correcting based on the experience of all of our partners. Um, it
0: shouldn't be a boring year. So as part of that transition into the next year, I know that Heron has been thinking about a different investment process than what is traditionally thought of. Um, Would you mind like walking us through what that looks like?
1: Definitely. Um, And I think honestly, you know, Heron's really been on the leading edge of this for a long time. So engaging in mission-related investing, impact investing, et cetera. Um, But I think the difference this year and where we're trying to go next is that as we re-entered communities, one of the things we were committed to restoring is a deep belief in the agency of communities, that people tend to have a vision for how to improve their lives if you spend time to draw them out on it. They they often have really good ideas for their places. And so as we started re-entering places, What we heard pretty regularly is um, what places' visions for themselves were and where the obstacles were. And we try when we enter a community to explore very quietly. Um, There is a power dynamic and a power imbalance when you're a funder or an asset owner. Um, Places are looking to you Not always, but often for the answer, or in particular for the fundable answer, and in trying to both honor their agency while not usurping it, we do a fair amount of quiet exploration in places, just very quietly poking around, trying to understand what's contextually or environmentally knowable without really taking up the time of of partners. So I would say identifying the agency, working to understand um, the context of a place, and then looking at, for Heron, what we refer to as the capitals how is the place currently stacking up with its stock of say human capital or natural capital or civic engagement and civic capital or it's financial capital it's access to resources and, and that's really a heron internal function at this point what does the community have available to it in each of those and where are the gaps both identified by us and by community partners and then what i think tends to happen is certain themes start to emerge that Certain issues are prominent in a place. Housing is an issue or the civic engagement or the capacity for collective action is lacking. And so really starting to focus on areas or problems or issues where our team can take a deep dive with our partners and say what's the root of the issue, how might it be solved, and leveraging Heron's ability um, to bring many partners to bear, capital markets partners as well as community partners, to try and structure and get our arms around What are these underlying fundamental issues that are standing in the way of prosperity of place? And importantly, I think different than in the past, these aren't investable or shovel-ready, as our field likes to say. They're messy, and often you're picking up breadcrumbs of what the issues are and I think there's a role for us and others to play we like to say midwifing these opportunities into the market and so spending the time to say it's not investment ready and maybe it doesn't even need financial investment maybe it needs connection or maybe it needs different partners or new partners or additional partners and really midwifing those opportunities into something that we can get our arms around as an investment opportunity and then starting to frame that universe of investable opportunities as our investment universe. And I would draw that, um, I think that was an organic lesson for us that we're called to really try and advance the, the agency of communities. And yet for Heron in particular, when, when we stepped back and compared that to what our current investment environment is, we saw some pretty significant differences. Um, for example, Currently, and consistent with Heron practice, if you're thinking about engaging in impact investment, most of the time you have advisors, um, registered investment advisors, asset managers, etc., who the moment you sort of cross the threshold into their door, th- they explain to you what your investment of investable universe is, what your potential range of investment options are. And that, when you think about it, that's really um, a universe that's been defined by capital markets history uh, rather than any sort of problem you're seeking to solve or challenge that a place is facing. And so for us, we think about that in terms of the investable universe is defined by investment managers. Um, there's some fundamentals some buy and sell side analysis that goes on. That's where most of the market operates. Even our impact investing universe might provide an ESG overlay or a values-based overlay. Um, But my point is, each of those things is taking a predefined, not specific to me or our interests investable universe and winnowing it down. It's going from broad and relatively conventional to smaller and smaller and smaller. And it ends up ending up, it it ends up in a place where um, the investable universe ends up quite small. And frankly, at least in Heron's experience, relatively unsatisfying. Um, you end up with quote better options through the lens of your mission but nothing that's really compelling or anything that is um, specifically addressing a need in a place at least that's been our experience and so as not to be just intellectually dishonest in the process I I would argue this is where even Heron's own portfolio has lived so the community investing index that Heron controls and updates the intellectual property for every year um, we think it is better than a lot of options when it comes to public equity investing, but um, it is very much in this conventional investment universe made smaller and smaller and smaller based on data and screening criteria. What it is not is what we spoke of a moment ago. It's not starting with the challenges of prosperity for place and trying to solve for that.
0: So what role does community play in a traditional investment universe?
1: So uh, certainly for Heron, I think we came to the investment portfolio with the intention of expressing the interests and concerns of our partners, but that was constantly diluted by the data and information that was available in the investable universe. And so as, as a result, the community's voice is almost gone, if not entirely gone, from an investment portfolio by the time you arrive at um, a product or a fund or a point of view about an investment. Um, In sharp contrast to where I think we're going, you asked a moment ago, in the future, I think for Heron, we're trying to use community voice as the directional to create the investable universe that we would try and source identify, structure, midwife and and ultimately put money in.
0: And what exactly does that mean for investment returns?
1: So you know, Heron's Heron's an interesting shop. Um, I don't know what it means in terms of investment returns. Um, what I can say is that um, Heron's always been committed to being motivated money and being money that's guided by our partners in the interest of prosperity in a place. Um, And that's a different thing than being what I'll call dumb money. So Heron has always tried very specifically to put the right money or, frankly, resource, be it human relationships, social capital, whatever, into the right deal, opportunity, at the right moment. And I think we'll be guided by that. But I think the jury will be out in terms of what it means for investment return. And the follow-on to that is what will be measured against. Um, When you think of constructing portfolios as originating with community agency and a drive for prosperity, um, we don't have an index for that. And so when investors, impact investors or otherwise speak to each other and they say, you know, what is your performance, the presumptive answer is that you will respond with some version of up, down, or derivation from an index. And we we won't be operating in that environment um, as we move
0: forward. So if you consider how the new investment process that Heron is thinking about deviates from the norm that you just described, I mean, what do you think are the challenges in figuring that out? (laughs) Many. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So
1: I like to say, as stolen directly from my friend and author Charles Eisenstein, that we are absolutely operating in the space between stories. I think for Heron and constituents that we work with, Um, We are very clear that the old economy, the economy that created the inequality that we live with now, is over. It's dying. It's on the decline. Um, But we don't yet know what the future story is, and it's a really uncomfortable place to be. Um, But I think as philanthropists, as well as impact investor, we are called to lean into the emergent and to try and bring um, the next economy to bear. And so uh, I think there's a lot of things that the answer for me will be we're not sure, but um, we're working to manifest a better version of a um, more holistic and equitable economy than the one we have.
0: Can you describe an opportunity that would fall out of an investment process based on community agency?
1: Sure. So, for example, in our... uh, We've been doing some work in the San Joaquin Valley, and and we can talk more at length and why why we're working there. But one of the things when we started working there was um, over time it came up with the community that a a need there, a real need, is affordable housing. And that was a little bit of a surprise to us. Uh, We had sort of considered it a relatively lower-cost market. It's not the Bay Area. It's not L.A. Um, And yet the Valley made the case that given where price points are and where the cost of housing literally to construct and maintain it is, um, there's a gap. And so when we did this deep dive I was referring to earlier, a couple of things emerged. One was that the conventional tools for solving the problems um, weren't quite filling the gap. And so in sort of classic Heron fashion, we, we were pulling all of the data we could around what can be done in this place to deal with affordable housing. And we discovered that some of the tools that are um, presumed to be operating weren't, um, either because human talent had moved on or because the capacity simply had been lost. There's the potential to use the market that is now as um, inefficient and in unequal as it might be, there still might be a version of using the market that exists now to service the people and populations we all care about. Um, and if that's the case, then Heron can potentially play a role both as philanthropist to nurse or midwife the opportunity to market, and potentially as investor to stand by as a, a buyer um, of the paper or the bonds that would help. Uh, folks gain access to affordable housing. So in that instance, a not surprising need, a, a regular tool to service it, but the patching it back together in a way that serves populations we care about.
0: So you just described what I would call a fairly radical universe. Talk to me about where power resides.
1: Yeah, I, I actually think that's one of the things core to Heron's, call it, realization. Um, because Heron has the benefit of not having an investment side of the house and a programmatic side of the house, we often take for granted that, that the bulk of our staff um, often works with one foot in each side. And I think for us it w- became very clear as this process started to illuminate itself for us um, that when you're an asset owner, most of the time, the power resides with the wealthy and the privileged. Um, it takes wealth and privilege to have an investment portfolio where you're even discussing an investable universe and you're debating the merits of investments. And, and, and frankly, um, the merits of how to have those better reflect the things you care about, um, that's a very different dynamic than working on the ground in communities with people and populations who uh, know firsthand what it is to lack prosperity or paths to prosperity. And the direction Heron is moving, I think, really seeks to honor that wisdom, um, what the communities know to be true about their circumstance, their history, their struggles, their obstacles, and seeks to really shine a light on those things and say what tools do we, as an asset owner who is privileged, Um, what do we have as tools to bring to bear to try and eliminate, eradicate, improve this situation um, rather than being investor-focused? So I think it's most basic, I would say, the current investment process, the conventional investment process is investor-focused. The process we're describing is um, human-focused.
0: Talk to me about risk. Um, where does risk reside and how is risk analyzed?
1: So I think conventionally um, risk is often addressed by modern portfolio theory. Um, Risk is taken to mean risk to the investor. Um, Maybe in some circumstances it's meant to be risk to the operating enterprise so that the enterprise can pay back the investor. Um, I think in the world we're describing Risk is really to people and places who are already often disenfranchised or behind the curve or left out. And part of what we're seeking to address in thinking about investing this way is really returning risk to those who can afford to take it um, and helping to ameliorate it from those who can least afford to take risk. Um, And if, as an asset owner, we are able to bridge part of that gap, I think we're called to do that in particular as an asset owner who operates in a a tax-advantaged environment.
0: What do you think are the biggest hurdles to operationalizing what you're describing?
1: I think the biggest hurdle is that the existing story, the existing infrastructure, most likely does not want us to do this. There are a lot of entrenched interests in the conventional investing environment that um, we're suggesting perhaps, that their world be reordered. And um, that rarely goes over well. Um, and so I, I think there are substantial hurdles. Um, in specific, for example, trying to find advisors, colleagues, um, consultants who can assist uh, is, is difficult. Um, people tend to be oriented to the environment that is. I think that's c- part of why it is perpetuated. And there are fewer... Um, seeking to move into a market that doesn't yet exist and that's part of what we're asking them to do.
0: So Dana, a lot of what you just described is both compelling and completely abstract. And the truth of the matter is we all know and understand intuitively that companies affect us and affect our communities. Can you talk us through an example or two of a company affecting a community that would resonate in this framework?
1: Yeah, well, growing up in the San Joaquin Valley, California myself, um, not too far from Hinkley, California, which was made famous by the Aaron Brockovich movie, I I always think of the scene in that movie when um, Aaron Brockovich and the law firm are meeting with executives from the company, and they're discussing whether or not the company's pollution is problematic for the water in that community and the lawyers and the company are maintaining that the specific version of pollution is not a problem. And Erin Brockovich makes the point as she points at the water around the table that that's great because all the water they're drinking she had brought in from Hinckley just for them. And remarkably, none of the team from the company or the law firm would drink it. Um, to me, it's just particularly poignant that people are willing to take risks at the expense of others that they're not willing to subject themselves to. And I think when we talk about fiduciary duty and obligation to people and places, that's the type of thing we should be considering.
0: Our very conservative attorney colleagues would argue it's the company taking those risks. What do investors have to do with it?
1: Yeah, well, I think at its most basic, when we talk about investors, we're thinking of investors as providers of capital to companies. Um, And I would also point out, by the way, for many companies, um, consumers are a significant constituency. And so, um, to me, investors that are providing capital or investing in companies, or frankly, even consumers who are shopping with companies, um, are complicit in the behavior of those companies. And to not see that as full cycle, I think, is a fallacy. Um, It causes us all to be comfortable uh, because it gives us distance from the outcomes that we don't want to necessarily pay attention to. But I think at the end of the day, if you're affiliated with a company as a customer or an investor, um, you're called to at least understand the effect of that company on people, place, and planet.
0: So companies do a wide variety of things. Um, They pollute rivers, but they employ people. Um, They take up resources, but they also might fund the local little league team. How do we think about all of these actions?
1: Yeah, it's really a complex equation and, and something for a different time. We can we can talk about Heron's own experience. Um, I think what Heron has learned over time is that you, you can't really isolate on a single action or effect of an enterprise. You really are called as a conscious investor to know what's knowable about the effect of an enterprise um, across all of its activities. So... Um, The way Heron thinks about it, we refer to it as the net contribution of a company, but we think about what you just highlighted. They employ people. They engage in a community. They do or they don't pay taxes. Um, Their product and service is or isn't dangerous. Um, And at the end of the day, it's a balancing act. Not all of those things are always going to be positive, and certainly they're not always going to perform to a level that we think is sufficient. And yet, at the end of the day, Are they contributing more than they're extracting from society? Um, I think that's what we're called to know, at least understand. And then over time, it would be nice, uh, not always within our control, but it would be nice to see progress on those metrics, in particular the ones that we, we wish were better.
0: What you're describing is both compelling and really overwhelming. What do you say to someone who is interested in moving in this direction? but has no idea how to convince their boss or their board, um, or someone who wants to get started but is new to the space and doesn't know where to begin. Um, what's the first step?
1: Yeah, I actually appreciate the question because what I've described is Heron's journey. Um, and Heron is a place that is not like many others. Um, and we've been on this journey a long time. So what I've described is, is our story. And I think it's the right thing for us to be challenging. Um, That said, uh, I think it's important to meet people where they are. And so um, I would share with any asset owner, as we do often, that the first step really, in my opinion, is to um, understand what you own, know what you own. And whether you have an existing portfolio or you're setting out to build one, I think taking a look at what you have today and again, back to knowing what's knowable about its effect. Uh, again, full spectrum, I think that's doable. Insofar as there's data on the effect of a company or a fund, I think it's important to know what's knowable and to just really sit with that, even if there's no action taken. Just sit with the mission of the entity or the values of the people, the investments that you currently own, and um, give time to that exploration around any spots that are itchy, or that don't sit right and make small tweaks there's uh, I think great I think there's great value in incrementalism um, and moving forward as you can and at Heron um, I say all the time that stumbling forward is a reasonable path and I I think that's what we've done Um, over time I hope the environment emerges where people can tackle this more elegantly than we have but in sharing our journey Um, our goal really is to say to others, you know, don't always do what we did. Here's our lessons, and and you should chart your own course. So I would say know what's knowable and make small incremental tweaks from there. Um, And even if that means that as philanthropists you're further ahead, I think that's an okay thing and try to have the portfolio
0: catch up. Thanks, Dana. The Heron team is excited to continue our work to support communities in 2019. For more information about the Heron Foundation, you can visit us at Heron.org or follow us at HeronFDN on Twitter. Thanks for listening.